Pick 6 Podcast Edition. Special edition, that is. Pick 6 Podcast. Will Brinson, Jason Lock, and Fora here holding it down. Just the two of us. Pete Prisco is clothes shopping for a sabbatical he's going to take to Fort Lauderdale because free agency is about to open and Pete is going to be down there doing hits on CBS CBS Sports HQ. You may have heard my dog. He's shopping for flip-flops. I heard he's, heard he's in the market for new flip-flops. Flip-flops and uh, umbros. He's going to be wearing flip-flops and umbros on the desk all week. Pete's going down to Fort Lauderdale for a week because free agency is opening on Wednesday at 4 p.m. when the new league year begins. But as of Monday morning, we're recording this on Sunday, March 11th. As of Monday morning, March 12th, thereabouts, tampering, the legal tampering window opens. The league finally got it right this year because now the tampering window begins on a Monday, which means Monday and Tuesday are going to be all NFL all the time. And then when the actual yeah. year opens, it's going to be a flurry of moves. Sometimes they end up doing it where like the league year opens on a, I don't know, it's just been weird before where like, the league year opens yeah. on a Monday. And then the whole weekend is tampering, which which really dilutes the the whole rumor mill, I think. Yeah, and today will be today. And again, we're doing this on Sunday. Today will be quiet. I've talked to four or five GMs this morning. This is the calm before the storm. And then Monday will be frenetic. And by the time that the free agency officially opens on Wednesday, um, a lot of this stuff will be effectively done. And by the time the NCAA tournament cranks up over the weekend. We'll basically be in the second wave of free agency. You know, not like this is not a very good class to begin with, but the most notable guys will already be off the board. And then, and then the NFL, you know, there should be a bit of a lull. And then the ownership, you know, then we got owners meetings at the end of the month where there'll be decisions made about the anthem and yada, yada, yada. And the NFL will be right back in the news, the sale of the Panthers, whatever. But they've got it figured out. No doubt about that. They've, they've got the timing figured out. Yeah, they sure do like attention, and we like giving it to them. That's fine, whatever. Um, a lot of attention paid to the Cleveland Browns, and we're going to get into a full free agency preview in a second, and we'll talk quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. We'll gloss over, um, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll give you the, the the what you need to know about free agency heading into this week. And the plan next week is to rip a bunch of little pods. Um, reacting to all the news, we're going to bring on guys like John Breach, Ryan Wilson, um, Pete, and Jason. Obviously, will be joining us too. But depending on you know what the schedules are like, how hectic things are, who's doing video, um, so you should go ahead and subscribe. Hit the hit the subscribe button on your Apple Podcast app, your Stitcher app, um, uh, Google Play, uh, TuneIn, anything else. Leave us a five star review. If you have issues, questions, tweet at Pick Six Pod on Twitter. And we will be happy to provide you answers. The conductor, uh, Eric Handley, manipulating all the tweets on there. I don't know what manipulating means, but whatever. The Browns manipulated a lot of moves on Friday. Things went nuts in the NFL with Cleveland making four trades, Jason, in the span of 24 hours. My only, my, my primary question to you is, did the Browns get better? Um, yeah. Absolutely. They're not going to go winless this year. Um, they're going to have a competent quarterback. They're going to go from the team that turned the ball over the most on offense to a team that will turn it over among the least, unless there's some kind of crazy run of fumbleitis there, because um, Tyrod Taylor does not turn the ball over. I'm a Tyrod Taylor guy. I think you could do a heck of a lot worse than Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Jarvis Landry, they'll end up overpaying him some, but they've got more money than God to spend and more cap space. And I don't think they're done adding wide receivers either. And if they do add another high-end wide receiver, then I think that might be the end of the Josh Gordon experiment as well. Um, a lot of time between now and when they play another football game and a lot of bridges burned. And, and I'm not sure how long and, and, and deep down that road John Dorsey, the new GM, wants to go with him. But, you know, Danny Shelton, he's a two-down run stuffer. You know, he was drafted very high by a previous regime, expecting him to be – you know, a, a Geno Atkins type disruptor inside uh, from, you know, from inside the D line. He was supposed to be a kid who not just sat there as a big body and stuffed the run, but who, who got after the quarterback and collapsed the pocket. That part of his game never really evolved. Um, and I don't think they're done getting rid of draft picks there either. I mean, if they do add another wide receiver, you know, then, then, you know, Corey Coleman, somebody who could be out of there as well, or even if they don't Corey Coleman, somebody who could do is somebody who could be out of there. So John Dorsey, Look, you win one game in, in two years, you, you should be bracing for a lot of change. 
and that's what he's doing. And, and by and large, I, I like what he's doing. Gave up too much for Tyrod, but again, when you've got 21 picks or whatever he has, you know, what I don't want to say what's the difference, but there is a value in getting your guy now versus having to wait it out through free agency. But I thought the Buffalo Bills did very well. And they're frankly surprised themselves that they got the first pick of the third round for Tyrod Taylor. They were thinking more like a mid-round pick, maybe a, a four or a high five. Yeah, uh, just so we just a rundown. Here's the full slate. So the Browns traded for Jarvis Landry, for Tyrod Taylor, for Demarius Randall, traded away. So here's what the Browns got. There, there were four trades involving Danny Shelton, DeMar, uh, Demarius Randall, Jarvis Landry, Tyrod Taylor. Those are the four primary players involved. Um, the Browns got Tyrod Taylor, Jarvis Landry, Randall, uh, the Packers fourth and fifth in 2018, a Patriots third in 2019. And they gave away a 2018 third, which is 65th overall to the Bills for Tyrod Taylor, a 2018 fourth, a 2019 seventh to Sean Kaiser, Danny Shelton, and uh, two more fifth rounders and a fourth rounder in 2018. So they gave away all these picks, and yet the Browns are still in a very good position because they own the first and fourth overall picks as well as the 33rd and 35th overall picks. Um, I think that when you look, Jason, at – this Browns makeover by John Dorsey and the power structure is different than it was in Kansas city, but it's not that dissimilar to what he did, what he and Andy Reid did in, in, in Kansas city when they, when they took over in 2013, you know, certainly the team wasn't as, as bad of a shape, but they had the top overall pick and they, they took Eric Fisher and what was a terrible yeah. draft knew at the time, what ended up being a terrible draft. So I don't, I don't know you can discern from that, but I, I see the Tyrod Taylor move giving up, a high third round pick for him very much in the same vein as I do the Alex Smith trade when they gave up two twos twos for a underrated veteran athletic quarterback who doesn't make a lot of turnovers. And he immediately, even if he doesn't take the ceiling, even if he doesn't raise this, you know, the Brown ceiling to a, you know, a 10 win team, he takes the floor from a zero win team to like a five-win team. I mean, I'm not saying he's worth five wins. Oh. I think having a quarterback will make that big a difference. Yeah, look, they were in games in the second half, and then Kaiser just self-destructed. I mean, close and late situations, Kaiser in the red zone, um, Kaiser inside his own 20. I mean, they, they, they were – it was meltdown after meltdown. And it's not a reflection on the kid. The kid shouldn't have been playing week one anyway. I put that on Hugh Jackson. But he had to get out of there, and to go from that to Tyrod, who is not only going to not lose you games, but will help you win games, um, and and who will make enough big plays. It's a huge difference. And so they've got parallel tracks there. They've got things we're doing to get better now, and then they got this track that's running alongside it, which is things we're doing for the long term. And yeah, the 65th pick is a little high for Tyrod, but it doesn't not high enough. It's not crazy enough that it, it, it takes away from their long view goals. And in the meantime, you win a game, you get that O for all, all, you know, that stench of all that off of everybody. And in that division, <laughs> I'm not big on the Ravens and I'm not big on the Bengals. So, you know, Cleveland, we'll see what else they do. I don't think they're, they're done adding veteran talent. I mean, they, they could be, they could be competitive in that. Look, they're not going to be better than Pittsburgh, but they're certainly going to be competitive with Cincinnati and Baltimore. Okay, then if you're Cleveland and you're John Dorsey, what is now your play? Because you have this situation with Tyrod Taylor where you can, you know, you can go out and theoretically not draft a quarterback at one or not draft a quarterback at four. I still insist in the plans. What are you doing with one and four if you're John Dorsey? He's still drafting a quarterback. Like I said, this does not, this move does not take away from that parallel track, which is kids that we're, you know, getting the best blue chip, young, cheap kids we can now to help us be a perennial, uh, you know, contender, to help us get out of the doldrums and, and be in the playoffs, you know, on a quasi-regular basis. Um, so, so you know, he understands what he – Is Josh Allen his Patrick Mahomes? Because, I mean, it's not dissimilar in terms of talent and raw skills. No, it's not dissimilar at all. And, and I, I, he's, I, I still think he uses the pick first overall and then gets, gets cued at four. If he has to, I think he takes his quarterback. You know, they don't have the difference. I mean, the difference with Alex Smith was they went and gave him a contract. I, I don't, I don't anticipate them giving Tyrod a contract or certainly not a contract that actually binds him to the team 
for multiple years. They may throw some incentives at them. They may play around with it. They may have a second year, but it's a rolling, you know, it's rolling guarantee so they can get out of it. I mean, there's things they may do, but nothing that's going to compromise them from being ready to go with Josh Allen, you know, or whoever, Darnold or, or Rosen, you know, week eight, if need be, or week 12 or week one of 2019. All right. With that in mind, too, Tyrod Taylor has a weapon in the form of Jarvis Landry. And we talk about parallels between the Chiefs and the, and the, uh, and the Browns. How about this? Did he acquire or he locked down a former LSU wide receiver that everybody has controversial opinions about? It was Dwayne Bowe on a, on a terrible, terrible track. Um, and people, some people loved Dwayne Bowe at the time. Some people hated him. Turned out to be a, a horrible deal. And they franchise tag Brandon Albert as a result. They got their left tackle. Um, instead, now it's, now it's Jarvis Landry that you're bringing in. What, uh, is he going to give him this monster contract? I mean, they kind of have to if you give up that and you trade for yeah, him. Yeah, I think they'll pay him. Yeah, I think they'll pay him. And again, it'll be probably more than, well, he shouldn't be on the franchise tag anyway. He's not a $60 million receiver. Oh. But, yeah, he's been trying to get, you know, 15 a year on a long-term deal. And he, he may get it there. He he, he may. I, they're going to sign him to something. I, I, I'd be surprised if July 15, you know, by that July 16th deadline that Jarvis Landry's still on the franchise tag. And it'll be a little more than some teams would be comfortable with. But they, that seventh-round pick is nothing. I mean, so they really get a fourth-round pick for him. Um and, and, and yeah, they're going to pay him too. But if you're the Browns, those are things you have to do to, again, dig out of the biggest hole in NFL history. I mean, they've won four of their last 53 games. I mean, that's a monumental futility. So um, Jarvis Landry, Tyrod, you know, with Tyrod, it makes sense. Tyrod can throw the deep ball, but it's going to be a lot of shorter stuff as well. And this kid keeps the chains moving. You know, and Joku, the tight end, is still a bit of a project. So this gives them somebody on third down and short yarded situation, tight windows, who can make some plays for him. I'm not the biggest Jarvis Landry guy in the world, but I, again, I, I understand why the Browns did it. And there weren't that many teams that would do it just because, again, that franchise tag is too rich for a lot of people's blood. Yeah. And, you know, look, the reality is if you're Cleveland, because you've won one game in the last two years, because you are the city of Cleveland, and no offense to it, but it's not some sexy free agency destination like Miami. Even if even if the Dolphins aren't great, at least it's Miami and you're near South Beach and you don't have any state income tax, you got to overpay a little bit. And so the, the Browns did that to an extent in terms of getting Tyler Taylor and Jarvis Landry. But I think it's important that this team, with the way that they're sort of built out, uh, can be – Quasi competitive next year. They, they need to, they need to get Joe Thomas back. I don't, TBD, if that's going to happen, he looked really, really svelte at the, uh, at the Super Bowl. Yeah. He's enjoy- skinny. Yeah. Not like skinny. Like way too skinny to be a starting left tackle in, in the NFL. Well, uh, well, the, the scuttlebutt among teams who've talked to the Browns is that Thomas is coming back. I mean, I heard that from a couple of teams. Um, cause I was sort of sniffing around in the left tackle market, to, you know, because there's still guys like Jason Peters, Cordy Glenn, who could be dealt. Um, and, you know, you're kind of trying to get a feel on who's got a need there and who doesn't. I, I, the sense I'm getting is the people in the Browns organization would be surprised if Joe Thomas doesn't come back, but he may need to load up on some Big Macs between now and then. What, what's, why, what's the, what's the holdup though? It's weird that he's waiting, right? Um, I don't know. I guess he's at his brother's wedding this weekend. I mean, he wants to take his time. I think he's enjoying this media stuff, but you know, you're waiting to see what develops and does somebody give me an offer that knocks my socks off. And, um, you know, he's earned, he's earned this right. And, and frankly, if he didn't want to tell him before the draft, he wouldn't have to do that either. You know, I mean, he, he, I, I feel like he's kind of, uh, well, did he? Well, first he said the draft, and then what did he say? Like free, maybe even before free agency starts. I mean, either way, I'm sure they'll know in due course. And again, the sense that I'm getting is that they think he will be back. Okay, so let me ask you this: Is it possible that Joe Thomas is being a savvy podcaster slash uh, businessman and and using the interest that everybody has in his status? to drive up the intrigue surrounding his media appearances and his own podcast? It's very possible that's the case. Uh, I would not put it past him. He's a shrewd guy, and he has raised his, uh, his wow. you know, his, what do they call it, the Q, the Q, Q quotient or whatever. Like, he's, he's 
more widely known now than even, you know, and, and probably crossed over to some degree into, into some circles where, um, even despite having had a Hall of Fame career, given the position he plays and given the fact that Browns have been horrible most of the time he's been there, you know, that he may not have resonated in, 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 in some ways previous to this. So, yeah, he's shrewd, he's smart, and he's certainly deep in the preparation for his post-playing career. Um, and I'm with you. When I saw him at the Super Bowl, I was you know, on Radio Row. I'm like, I didn't even recognize him. Like, yeah. My goodness, he does not look like a guy who's planning on playing football, but it is, a, a, you know, seven-month offseason. Yeah, and it's full of big news, including Richard Sherman signing with the 49ers, shifting away from the Browns to to another team. This Seahawks thing is, it's it's mind-blowing to watch it in real time as Seattle hits the reset button and the Rams trade for Akeem Tlaib and Rams get Marcus Peters and the Rams push their chips into the center and the 49ers sort of start to do the same thing you know, I mean, the Sherman deal, if he's healthy, it's a great signing. It seems like it's pretty heavily incentive laden. I would expect him to have at minimum uh, the, the, what I like to call the Andre Johnson, which is two great games against his old team. And it's possible Sherman's right. got in the tank. Do you, uh, how do you, how do you grade out the Sherman signing? Well, San Francisco. I, you got to see the contract. I got to see the full contract first. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there that I think ultimately, when you read the, the, all the language of the contract, probably won't bear out. Um, what's his true guarantee? Um, three, I, I, I'd be really surprised if he's there for three years, and I'd be really surprised if he ends up with $30 million. But, but I, you know, I want to see, see the whole kit and caboodle uh, before I comment on what kind of deal they got. I don't know. I don't understand the rush, especially if you don't have an agent. Why, you know what I mean? You, you let the first team you talk to, you know, pretty much keep you in a corner and get you. Um, you know, Prague Maroth, their chief negotiator, is really smart and really shrewd, and I'm sure they played on his emotions some, you know, and the whole go go shove it up Seattle's butt thing. But uh, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the real money is. But but the 49ers are going to continue to be active. The Garoppolo thing was huge. They made a lot of moves last year. Uh some have worked, some haven't, but a lot of those guys got hurt. They're going to get, you know, Garcon back. And, and I mean, not that he has a whole lot left in the tank. Um, Goodwin really took off once they, they switched over to Garoppolo. They re-upped him. And I hear they're very deep on Allen Robinson. I mean, I, I think they're going to be willing to go um, deep, deep, deep into their pockets to get oh. to get Robinson. Um, so, yeah, they're not done. They're not done. All right, well, we will definitely talk about the 49ers as we preview all of free agency, and we'll, we'll do that in a second. But reminder, there's a new way to get all the latest scores, news, and highlights for you know, Browns craziness on a Friday. You're on your phone. You're away from, uh, you know, your, your, or maybe, maybe, maybe you're in your living room and you just want to watch it on your Amazon TV and you need instant reaction, but you can't get it on your regular TV because either you cut the cord or there's some sort of, Maction on your television, some basketball game going. You need analysis of the Browns trade, the insanity that happens, or where Richard Sherman is landing. You need to be using CBS Sports HQ. It's a brand new 24-7 streaming sports information channel that we launched. It's always on, and it's always completely free. You can stream it at any time on the CBS Sports app for Apple TV, Roku, your phone, or any other connected devices. I use my Amazon uh, fire TV downstairs. You fire up. It actually, the branding is pretty cool because it was the CBS Sports app. Now it's the CBS Sports HQ app. You fire it up and it's just immediately Nick Costas in your face yelling about. Oh, boy, you can't get enough of that. I know, right? It's great. Uh, Nick actually that does, never gets old. He actually does a really good preview show of each, each night looking at the lines. Um, to help you make your picks, put a little cash in your pocket with Todd Furman. I, I assume he'll involve us once the NFL comes around. And you can also watch it online at cbssportshq.com. Pete, Jason, myself, everybody else will be heavily involved during NFL free agency. So check that out. It's free. It's free for you. Just go get it. It doesn't cost anything. You can get a, a money back guarantee. It has a money back guarantee if you don't like it. Um, yeah. No money back guarantees in, in NFL free agency though. I'll tell you that much. New. You go out spend, you better be prepared to pay the piper. Especially although. not with this group of players. Good good luck. Let's start with the quarterbacks. And we, we've talked about these guys a lot, so we won't, you know, we're not going to spend 30 minutes talking about, you know, Kirk Cousins and Drew Brees and, and, and Mike Glennon, who's going to be a free agent. But um, what what's the scuttlebutt on Brees right now? I mean, Brees is the top. Okay, 
Let me reset that. Kirk Cousins is the top available quarterback because he's under 30. He is healthy. He is a franchise quarterback. He has zero restrictions on his contract. Um, but I, I think you could make the case that Drew Brees, even at age 39, would give you a higher, a bigger, a higher upside, even if it's a shorter window, if you were able to lose away from New Orleans. Is there any chance he's going elsewhere? There's always a chance until something's done. Nobody sees it. And honestly, you know, he's always squeezed the Saints for every last penny. It would be interesting if I talked to a few GMs about this this morning. Outside of Minnesota, assuming they don't get Cousins, what is the market for Drew Brees? Like, who's falling all over themselves to give him $30 million a year if that's his magic number? I, I don't know that there's that many of those teams out there, you know? Because yeah. teams that make sense for him, he doesn't want to go to, you know, the Jets and Drew Brees at this stage probably doesn't make sense. You know, I mean, Buffalo, they want to draft a guy like that's not real. Drew Brees in the snow and Buffalo. Like, besides Minnesota and the Dome, like where Denver? I mean, maybe. I mean, what about Jacksonville? Try it. Jacksonville or Arizona? Well, I would have said Jacksonville before they re-up with Bortles. Jacksonville um, still got thirty-five million dollars in cap space. I mean, not you know. Not but the, you're not going to be able to play that many games with a Drew Brees contract. I mean, he's going to want his money. He's going to want it to be legit money. He's going to want it to be about 30. I mean, you're going to do a, a six-year contract, fake contract with him, I guess, and try to prorate a bunch of stuff. I mean, maybe you could, but he, I don't, you know. The guy's going to be making $30 million a year, and, and there's only so many salary cap games you could play with that. So, no, I don't think you can have Bortles, and, and they've made their bed. I mean, in Arizona, again, I mean, the 20 the million team. So they're not loaded either. I mean, and no They don't have a ton of cap space, and they're probably dumping Honey Badger, and this is the last year of life, Fitzgerald, and it's a rookie head coach. And, you know, are they the third best team in that division? I don't know. Are they the fourth? I don't know. So, well, the two yeah, could he find his money somewhere? I mean, I guess, but, like, I don't think there'd be teams falling all over themselves to give him every last penny he thinks he's worth. The one issue, though, with Breeze, and I, I believe this number is right. I don't have his contract in front of me, but if he is not signed by the Saints by the start of the league year, $14 yes. million dollars of dead cap space accelerates yes. all the Saints cap hit regardless of whether he ends up signing back with the yes. world or goes elsewhere. And so there is a pretty short window here. We're, again, we're recording this Sunday afternoon about one Um, You know, there's like 72 hours here that the saints have to get a deal done or have to sort of, you know, negotiate some sort of uh, addition to that old contract that, that, that nullifies that. I mean, you don't want to take that $14 million dead cap hit for no reason, right? No, absolutely not. See, that's absolutely big- not. But I'll just say, has have Drew Brees and Tom Condon ever made this easy for the no, Saints? No. Like have they've been through these negotiations three or four times. You know no. what I mean? It's kinda like when Manning with the Colts. Like were any of these ever really easy? No. I mean it was always about every last penny. I mean yeah. that's just the reality. I mean it's and, and he has that right, but let's be real, there's a reason that this is always a struggle. Yeah, and, and actually, sorry, it's $18 million in dead cap space. I mean, that's a, a mammoth number for a team that has a, a Super Bowl window right now. And when you look at what the Saints have done with Drew Brees, and it's been, look, the reality is it's been Mickey Loomis and it's been Sean Payton, the same guys he's dealing with. When you look at the contracts that they've done with him before, they've held him over the barrel when they could. You know, they, they, they did the tag on him back in 2010. And they, they played it out until the very last moment in July and made him deal with it and deal with it and deal with it and finally did the contract he wanted. They haven't been super, you know, he didn't, he didn't completely dog him, I guess, in the last extension they did. It just seems strange to me that he's going to say, all right, you know what? It's just hammer this deal out. Give me 25 million and we'll move on. I'm not worried about the fact that I'm going to be making less. Well, if it was as simple as that, if it was as simple as 25, I think it would be done. Yeah. But I've heard 30 has been his magic number for a long time and. He's not taking less than Jimmy Garoppolo. No, I don't. And look, I don't think he's taking. I don't think he wants to take less than whatever he thinks Kirk Cousins is going to get. But, but those guys are at a very different place in their careers than him. And with those guys, you're buying upside and potential and future years. With Drew Brees, you're buying the past and the present, but you ain't buying the future. But if you I mean, this could be it for him, you just you don't know when he hits the wall or what happens. I mean, yeah. 
That's why I said if he was on the, if like if he was on if he was untethered right now and on the open market, like okay, so maybe it's Arizona and Minnesota. But like that would really like it's not like there would be eight teams banging on his door dying to give him thirty million a year at age forty. No, but he still looked pretty good for most of the most of last year. I mean, granted, you're going to take he the did. system, you're going to put him with a new coach. You're asking a whole lot. Like it's not going to go. It's not going to be perfectly smooth out of the gates, or I think at least it would be surprising if it was. So I, I'm with you from that perspective. It would be, it would be pretty wild if they if, if he went somewhere else. But I also I also just don't think he's just going to, you know, roll over and take whatever the Saints want to give. But it's, it's going to, there's a deadline for it. No, know? if that was the case, it would be done. If yeah. that was the case, it would be done. Okay, so with Kirk Cousins, where's your sense as of again Sunday? It's, afternoon? it's the Jets or the Vikings. Don't believe all this stuff about it already being done with the Vikings. The Jets um, will have their opportunity to put a ton of money in front of him, and we'll see where it goes. I continue to hear he's likely to make a couple of free agent visits, so this is not one of the ones that you expect to hear announced you know, Tuesday or Wednesday before free agency actually opens. This could go into the weekend, and it's going to be the Jets and the Vikings. If the Jets don't get him, then I'm told it's Josh McCowan or Teddy Bridgewater for them. If the Vikings don't get him, they'll go back to – you know, they'll go back to Keenum, but it hasn't exactly been smooth sailing between them and Keenum also. And there may be some some, some bridges to mend as well. Uh, you know, they, they've kind of given him the Heisman a little bit in a way that, that I don't know that he thought was coming. So Keenum's got other options like Denver. Um, you know, and then Bradford, I think, I've sort of got him penciled in to Arizona. I could see McCarron maybe landing in Buffalo as a bridge guy, depending on what his market's like. And I don't know that his market's going to be all that robust. I, I really don't. Um, you don't think he gets the right uh, money last year? No. Oh, wow. No. I, mean, I, I don't. Think- Where? Who's going to give him, who's giving him $19 million next year? Not the Browns anymore. That's the problem. I don't think it, I mean, uh, yeah, if Hugh was running the Browns, it might be the Browns, but not, not Dorsey. So I, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know what McCarron gets. I'm interested to see, but I don't. I don't see a whole lot of natural landing spots for him. And then there's some younger quarterbacks or um, sort of uh, mid-tier veterans who will do well. Also, Chase Daniel, whether he ends up, I don't think he'll be back with the Saints. He'll be too rich for their blood, likely. But uh, he's a possibility in Dallas. He's a possibility in Chicago. He's a possibility. Uh, in Kansas City, um, Tom Savage, you know, where does, where does he end up? Um, so yeah, there's some other intriguing names out there. Um, but not as starters, right? We're talking like signing as backups here. Right? No, backups. Yeah. Like top, top tier backups. Backups who can, you know, can keep you afloat for six weeks if your starter goes down. Right. Like an Austin Davis. Which, obviously, Nick Foles just proved, again, there's some value to that. Yeah, there's a ton of value to it. I mean, you get a I – mean, yeah. I mean, if you're a team – I mean, you know, if you're again, if you're the Saints and you've got Drew Brees on this deal and you're going to pay him a ton of money, I mean, you can't spend a lot on your backup, but you better make sure you got somebody there in case this 39-year-old quarterback yeah. takes a hit that, that's yeah. it down. I mean, you know, then, then all of a sudden you're – or if you're the Vikings, you know, you had Sam Bradford in place as your guy – because of Teddy Bridgewater's injury, and then Bradford gets hurt in Week One and can't play again. In case Keenum saves your season, right. plus helps you win a Super Bowl, you know you right. you best have a good backup in place. So that secondary quarterback market definitely worth watching. What about the running back market? Uh, Doug Martin generating some headlines after being released by the yeah. Bucks. Donovan Stewart, yeah. the, the, um, the uh, yeah. Seahawks. This is Demarco Murray is yeah. thirty years old. Yeah. Yeah, the guys I hear the most about are Deion Lewis and uh, actually Jarek McKinnon, who both will have fairly robust markets. Um, this is not a, a great group. You know, Carlos Hyde, because of age, um, still being on the younger side, uh, might fall into something. But, I mean, if teams were all about Doug Martin, he'd have to deal right now. Yeah. That, you know, he's got off-field concerns. He's got production concerns. Um, Jonathan Stewart at this stage of his career, you know, you, you know, I know Seattle, a few teams have had a look-see with him, but he's going to have a hard time competing with younger backs in this draft as well. Um, you know, but Deion Lewis is a guy who intrigues me, can run inside the tackles, can obviously do things in space. I think can be an every-down back. 
Um, New England is, is going to try to keep them, but his market may be too deep for them. Uh, the Jets are, are very interested. The Titans are interested. The 49ers are interested. Um, so he's going to be in good shape. And, and, you know, McKinnon is another guy who can do things out in space who some of those same teams are interested in. Yeah, and with Deion Lewis, you're talking about a guy who was a late round pick out of pit, um, you know, didn't, you know, didn't have nothing happen with the Eagles, finally lands on the Patriots. They start using him the way he should be used. He explodes. He gets, he signs a, signs a nice little deal considering where he'd been, gets hurt, and now he's 27. This is his only shot at free agency. I, I would be surprised if yeah. he for the Patriots because somebody is going to give him north of five million a year over a five year deal or whatever, you know, but the five, let's say it's three years and 6.5 that you're actually getting. He's going to get, he's going to get a shot at $20 million. He's going to go take that from whoever gives it to him. The Jets are a team that make a lot of sense just to spite the Patriots. And, uh, and he would be awesome to watch in a Kyle Shanahan offense. Agree on McKinnon as well, just because of his, his age and his production as a, as a modern sort of airback. I do think the, 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 the reason to be cautious here though is you look at this draft class with running backs and this, this class might be yeah. as good and as deep as last year's class. And we saw it last year with Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, and there was some, who's the other big name, uh, veteran out there, but the, the Marshawn Lynch coming out of retirement. There was, yeah, some of the older guys. Yeah. But these guys like Adrian Peterson and Jamal Charles couldn't get contracts because teams were willing to slow play them. No. The yeah. And, and that's going to happen again in this market, I think. Yeah. That's why the two guys I highlighted are younger guys who will have a market. They'll have a, a market literally starting Monday. And I'd be really surprised if both the, those guys haven't verbally agreed to deals by Tuesday. They, they've got enough robust interest in them. You know, the Frank Gores of the world, you know, it's uh, Godspeed. You know, there'll be a job for him, but a lot of things have to fall into place first. Well, you just, I mean, like, it's the same thing. Frank Gore and Jonathan Stewart are the same guy, different, you know, different careers, but, but similar in terms of they're going to get you three and a half yards of carry, and they're going to be dependable, right. but they're not going to. I mean, Jonathan Stewart, yeah, he, look, he's – had a great career at Carolina. Frank Gore is a legend, yeah. a Hall of Famer in my mind. Yeah. But yeah, they, he ain't getting he ain't getting a big deal in, in free agency as a as no, a no. You're going year to year. Wide receiver, the position this it's, this is to me is is although it's not deep, maybe it's a little bit deeper than we're giving it credit for. But the top two guys in my mind, Jason, Sammy Watkins and Allen Robinson. Free agents for different reasons. Watkins, they, you know, the Rams use the, the franchise tag on Lamarcus Joyner instead of uh, instead of Sammy Watkins, and then Allen Robinson. The Jags didn't want to commit 16 million to a guy coming off an ACL tear, but both guys have you know a pedigree in terms of being elite. Whether it's Sammy Watkins being the top 10 pick or Allen Robinson having 1,400 yards at the age of 22, and yeah. both are just 24. Do they break the bank in free agency? I think they'll do very, very well on a short-term basis. I don't think either one signing a five-year, $96 million deal or anything. Like, they're not getting Mike Evans' money on a long-term deal, you know? Like, they're not, they're not getting 96 for six. It's not happening. Um, and it doesn't really make sense for them. Well, if that money there, you always lock in. But that, but that <laughs> you know, Watkins had an okay season with the Rams, but wasn't special on an offense that at times looked special. And there's serious injury concerns about him. And then Robinson's coming off a down year and then a year lost to injury. So I think they both can push towards, you know, that 14 million a year threshold, but I think it's on a prove it one year or two year deal. I think Watkins stays with the Rams and I think Robinson to the 49ers. Um, I mean, the bears are also in on Robinson and even the, the Browns I'm told, but John Lynch is kind of riding a little hot streak there right now. And I don't, I don't think he's done. Um, and the allure of playing with Kyle Shanahan and Garoppolo and what they seem to be building out there, uh, I, I, I fancy their chances. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. And Joel Corey pointed this out last week on the on the podcast that these guys at 24 have the flexibility to say, all right, you know, I'll take a one year, you know, one year 13 million dollar deal because I don't think it'd be as low as Terrell Pryor's one year eight million dollar deal. Maybe I'm wrong. No, Maybe. no, this is going to be north of 12, and I think they. I think Robinson gets 14. I don't know that Watkins quite gets that, but. but but either way, you're talking about you take a one or two year. You take a one year deal in the 10 to 14 million dollar range. You get paid on a single year basis, and then you hit free agency again at uh, at, yes. at 
the age of 25. And worst case scenario, you're getting franchise tagged by this team and you're getting 120% of whatever you signed for this year. So it's not a bad spot to be in if you're either team. Sammy Watkins, by the way, the second most productive former Buffalo Bills wide receiver on the Los Angeles Rams last year, which is not a, yeah. that's not good. And he's, it doesn't have more yeah. than 65 catches in a single season. Robinson, I mean, Allen Robinson was, was considered one of the, like a top 10, like looked like a top 10 wide receiver after 2015, led the league in touchdown catches with 14, 80 receptions for 1400 yards, then Bortles tanks in 2016, and then he suffers that injury in 27. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he's going to want to go somewhere that there's a quarterback that he can either grow with or that is going to make him look very good to get him get paid over the long haul. San Francisco, Chicago. And then I, I think a sleeper to chase some wide receivers is, is the Carolina Panthers. I wouldn't be surprised even with the addition of Torrey Smith. Yeah, the Panthers and the Ravens are definitely in that market as well. I just don't know that they're going to get into that, that not deep end cash. of it there. Yeah, they might not have the cash to chase after. You know, that, I think that, I think it's Dante Moncrief, Paul Richardson, um, some guys like that might be more at their price point. Danny Amendola. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel's out there at age 27. Yep. Um, Mike Wallace, I would just say that Mike Wallace could make sense for Carolina if they hadn't taken Torrey Smith, who's a similar, um, that yes. not as good type of burner, bad hands. Marquise Lee is going to be out there. He's only 26. Yeah, the Jags didn't bring him back yet, right? Uh, Paul Richardson, 26. No. Um, Cody Latimer is 25. He's a high pick by the, by the Broncos and Flash. Yeah, he's a special teams guy. Yeah. Probably. Um, John Brown from the Cardinals, Smokey John Brown, t- age 27. Yeah. There's a lot of mid-tier guys out there. What about what, what's the market going to look like for Terrell Pryor at age 28? Having- I have no idea. I got to tell you that one. It's it's funny, you know. A year ago at this time, he was one of the guys who was intriguing for different reasons because it looked like he, you know, he was like the only guy the previous year with the Browns who looked like he knew what he was doing on offense and and he outperformed expectations. And then ends up doing a prove a contract in Washington that that went horribly awry. I I, I don't know if there's going to be room at the end back there with him um, in Cleveland. You know, he's more of a you guy than a Dorsey guy, and I think Dorsey's got his coal, his irons, and some other uh, wide receiver fires. I don't know. I mean, it could be literally anywhere because I don't know what his price point's going to be. I I think if 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 you know he's he's being viewed at as a $4 million receiver, a $3 million receiver, it, it could literally be anywhere. You know, that could be a Baltimore or a Carolina situation. By the way, Dante Moncrief, who you mentioned, highly thought of like a year or two ago and still only just 24 as well. And he's definitely- Yeah, the Ravens really want him. I, I think he ends up – the Ravens have been linked to Jarvis Landry and all this stuff that was never going to happen. But Moncrief's a guy that they've been in on pretty good. And uh, they got to land somebody. I, I – I, you know, they thought they were going to get Torrey Smith because everybody thought he was getting cut. And then <laughs> kudos to Howie Roseman. He ends up getting a young corner for him. Um, and, and then he ends up, you know, Torrey ends up in Carolina. But yeah, I, I've got Moncrief targeted in the Ravens. What about that trade with the Panthers? I mean, what was the, is that just Carolina? I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of, there's some chatter around here in North Carolina that, um, Worley might, who's a Dave Gettleman pick might have been out the door anyway. I mean, was that more of a byproduct of, you know, hey, we, you know, like we don't think we're going to be able to get Torrey Smith in free agency. Let's go give up a guy we might cut anyway, and and even if he's on a cheap deal. Yeah, um, I guess it's still though. I mean, he was Torrey Smith. They weren't picking up that option, but yeah, look, if they don't pick up the option, then you know he was ready to come back to Baltimore. His wife was ready to come back to Baltimore. The Ravens were welcoming him with open arms like that. It would have been hard, you know, unless you go throw a bunch of money at him, you know, more than he's worth. Um, then you're probably not keeping them from going to Baltimore. So, I, I mean, I, I, I guess on some degree I get it, but it, it is, I mean, it was kind of just basically sort of assumed as a fait accompli that Howie's not going to pick up that option. And then if you, you know, if you really like Tory Smith, you could go try to get him at your price. But yeah, it seemed like a ill-advised trade. I mean, I don't mind, I don't mind the fit necessarily of like Tory Smith and Cam Newton. I think that's an interesting fit, but the, the idea that you would, Give up that much to sign a receiver who is older and and fast, but not necessarily a, a game. Right, very inconsistent. Yeah, hands. It doesn't. It, yeah, it's not a, not a good start to uh to Marty Herney's free agency. Jimmy Graham 
headlining the tight ends, right? I mean, that's, you know, even yeah. if he, Is he? Not for me. Not for me. Head, I mean, he's head, he's headlining the fantasy football, I guess, but I mean, doesn't block. His hands have not been good the last few years. The touchdown numbers are up, but they're you thinking dunks in the red zone. I, I I'm more intrigued to see where Austin Safarian Jenkins goes, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, he has upside. He's been sober for, you know, over a year now. He turned his life around with the Jets. The Jets really want to keep him. But Atlanta and Seattle are two teams that are very interested in him as well, among others. Um, you know, and, and those teams are competitive and obviously have um, stud quarterbacks, when, you know, in, in, in either spot when you're talking Seattle or Atlanta. So he's actually the guy who I'm kind of most intrigued by. Um, you know, Eifert's medicals just scare the hell out of people. If Antonio Gates plays again, it's in, you know, it's in, it's with the Chargers or, or it's, you know, not at all. And then after that, it's, it's, you, know, you got a lot of blocking. You got, what's that? Trey Burton out there for the Eagles, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a, a kid with some upside who I think will be intriguing. Uh, but it, look, let's just, let's face it. He's not going out there and breaking the of this group. Of this group, the guy who was most productive last year was Ben Watson, and he's 36 years old and doesn't know if he wants to play football anymore. So, I mean, that's the wide receiver group. Let's, I'm just tight end. Know, yeah, that's uh, real. I mean, tight end group. I'm sorry, that's a tight end group. Pretty ugly out there. Uh, offensive line. Andrew Norwell is he making a, a beeline up the uh, up for Gettleman with the Giants? I mean, that's everybody in the league is assuming that. I mean, that's that's what I'm hearing from every team and agent I talk to. Um, and I tend to think there's something to that. Obviously, the Giants better put assets into their offensive line. I don't know how many of their other free agents they're able to keep though on that O line. You know, Pew, uh, Richburg. I, I don't know. I don't know how that that's going to shake out for them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those... they need. They need. They need more than one. Like, I don't know that a, you know, a fifteen million dollar guard is going to you know all of a sudden save their offensive line. But I guess we're about to find out. See, here's my theory on what the Giants are going to do, and you know we'll get into this more as the as we as we move along and as we see the pieces go into place. I think Gettleman has convinced himself that he can win next year with Eli Manning, and that as oh, they clearly have. No, but but I think yeah. I think he's going to try and sign Andrew Norwell and sign Star Lotatulale in free agency, and we'll see you know if they will have to be creative with the cap space because as of right now the Giants have twenty three point. Eight nine million in cap space, um, but I, I think they're going to do that, and then I think that they're going to draft either Quentin Nelson or Saquon Barkley at number two, plug him in behind Eli, and all of a sudden, you know, if you go with Nelson and then you grab Ronald Jones in the se- in the top of the second round, you have this pretty good offensive line led by Andrew Norwell, Quentin Nelson that can protect Eli Manning and run the football. And you got Odell Beckham there. You got Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram. The offense looks like it's starting to come around. And then you got the pieces on defense. I, I just think that they're, I think that they are, I don't think they're out. That's what, yes. But I think they're leaning towards not. No, not yeah. No, I don't think they're not taking the quarterback. When you take on Alex, o, Alex Ogletree's contract the way they did, you're in, you're in by now and now mode. I think they're fooling themselves. I think they aren't just a player or two away, and everybody from the ball boy up to the owner realized that in early December when they went through all that madness with Eli Manning, and nothing's really changed since then. Okay, so you've added Alec Ogletree, and you're about to spend a bunch of money on guards, but they were not a competitive football team, and um, they can they can make that, you know, they, they obviously think they've got a two-year window. I think the Broncos and the Giants are both there for a rude awakening. They're trying to keep the band together a little too long, and it's just going to set back their rebuild. That, that's my take. I could end up being wrong. Maybe Gettleman, everything he touches turns to gold, and they have this amazing offseason, and they're you know, on the right track. But I don't know. I don't, I don't, that's, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. it. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it's one of those where he realizes if he goes out and they win – Eight or nine games or ten games after that horrible season last year. I mean, just you know, you get lucky. Sometimes you win games like that. Then all of a sudden, it changes everything. Like he gets so much leeway. Like do. Welcome to my life. Yeah, no, that's fine. George George Brinson was downstairs uh, barking earlier. I was surprised that the uh, that it didn't that it didn't pick it up. To be perfectly frank. Uh, <laughs> Tackle. What about what about what's Nate Solder going to do? Because you you think one of these guys, you, know, you think a guy like Nate Solder 
might be interested in sticking around and blocking for Tom Brady and playing for the Patriots. But then again, maybe he wants to get really, really rich, and maybe he's got enough Super Bowls. Yeah, I, I think there'll be money out there for him. There's, there's the tackle market is pretty shallow. Um, maybe he gives the Patriots a hometown discount at the end to stay in it, but I, I suspect money talks there. I, I, I think he's, I think he's going to do all right. Yeah. Um, dude, look, I'll be honest. The the offensive. I mean, there's a lot of pretty good names out here on this offensive line list. You see, guys like. At least in terms of guys who were drafted highly, like, you know, I mean, Silawatu, Jack Muhort, you know, but none of these guys have yeah. really. Luke Jokel. Yeah, Luke Jokel. I mean, got guys, you know, Jonathan Cooper's out there again, but, but all these guys are out there for a reason. So, yeah. yeah. It, it really appears like this offensive line crisis that the NFL has been dealing with is, is a legitimate problem and it's not going to be solved by this free agency class. No, which is why Norwell's going to get his 15, because the guys who you know are actually going to come in and, and you have no questions about, and they're plug-and-play. You're willing to pay a guard like a tackle because there's not much behind them. You're, you're, you know, otherwise, you're drafting, you're drafting guys because, again, this, this free agent class, is, it's, it's rough. You know what I mean? Like Greg Robinson was drafted high, but you know, two teams have given up on him already. Like Maybe he, maybe he turns it around. Like Maybe... He becomes who you know the Rams thought he could be, but like I, I got it. Yeah, I mean, if a guy like Greg Robinson and a guy like Luke Jokel, a guy like Jonathan Cooper, Jonathan Cooper's on his third team. Um, those other guys that I mentioned, along with DJ Fluker, uh, those guys are all on their third, on their, on their second teams after being high first round draft picks. That tells you that there's a you know, some red flags there. Those guys are probably not going to get paid obscene amounts of money. Defensively, no. When you look at the defensive line, anybody pop out to you? This, what's your boy Muhammad Wilkerson going to get? Where's he going to end up going? Green Bay? I, he'll end up doing a one-year deal. Um, you know, I think it could be similar money to what Don Terry Poe got a year ago. Uh, he's busy. He's with the Redskins as we speak. He may do one one visit, or you know, he may do one more visit. Um, you know, it, and there's some teams that have it. That he, you know, that he could sign with a team that he doesn't visit. I mean, I, I know this. He he really wants to win. He wants to get in a different atmosphere, and and be somewhere where the expectations are a little higher, and it just feels different. I wouldn't entirely rule the Steelers out. Also, keep keep an eye on that. The Steelers who don't have a lot of cap space still might be able to figure out a way to swoop in late for him. But of the teams he's visited so far, I mean, the you know the Saints are, uh, appear to be very interested. The the Packers are certainly interested. Um, so we'll see. All things being equal, he, he really wants to be on a contender. And he's made, you know, $50 million now. So it's it's not like money is the absolute object with him. Um, Drews Peppers and Adrian Claiborne, the guys with the two highest, two highest sack totals, the only two guys with over uh, 10 sacks at the defensive end position. Yeah. Error combined. 67 years old. Uh, I would assume that Peppers goes back to Carolina on the field and finishes. Yeah, Carolina on bus. Yeah. I mean, look, the two impact guys were tagged. Lawrence and Ziggy Ansa. Um, you know, I, I'm intrigued by, uh, I'm intrigued by David Irving. I mean, does somebody do something for him? You know, does somebody make a play for that restricted free agent? You know, that that's where I think you got to, if you're looking to improve your D-line, you, you may need to get creative with, you know, and try to sign an RFA to an offer sheet or something like that and see if a Jerry Jones is vulnerable, given the fact that he doesn't have much cap space and he's got Lawrence hanging against his cap on that franchise number as soon as they have to be compliant on Wednesday. Um, you know, Dante Pro had a nice season last year. Um, you know, I hear he's got a decent market of, uh, of clubs looking at him. Sheldon Richardson is the wild card. Uh, he talked to teams about him, and some are just scared by the off-field stuff. I'm not sure that the money's going to be out there for him the way he thought it might, and I just wonder if he ends up back in Seattle. Hmm. He's got major red flags. I mean, not. I mean, yeah. it, I mean, look, it, it's it's crazy how that Jets defensive line panned out. I mean, 
you know, one guy is left yeah. to trade Richardson, uh, now looking for a deal in free agency and might not find a ton of money. Wilkerson released by the Jets. He's the only one who signed a contract with him. Damon Harrison walked in free agency. Uh, the Jets sort of botched that when they had a really good trio yeah. of, of defensive linemen there. So you could, so Richardson seems like a guy that maybe, what do you think about the Seattle defense now that everything, you know, I mean, clearly the Legion of Boom is dead, but when you, I think when you start to maybe take a deeper, at least I was doing this over the weekend, when you take a little deeper dive into the defense, if they can bring a guy like Sheldon Richardson back and they end up with Sheldon Richardson and Frank Clark, Nas Jones, Malik McDowell, Jerron Reed, I mean, I'm not saying that that's. Well, McDowell, I don't know. The, I don't know what I mean that, that, you know. They have high investments in these guys. Well, see about the medicals there. You know, I, I don't know that, that what's in the cards for him. I mean, that was a pretty significant injury to his spinal column. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I, all I'm saying is that there's, you have, they've, they've invested in a lot of guys. Let's take McDowell off the board and you still have, you know, a defensive line that could at least maybe make some noise. Deion Jordan. I don't know. Is, I mean, is yeah. Seattle, what's Seattle doing? Are they, is Seattle, just saying, screw it, let's burn it all to the ground. Are they re, like, are they rebuilding, rebooting? What, what, what do you think the phrase going on in? Among- I would say um, asset reallocation. You know, they're taking money out of some of the, the, certainly out of the secondary, and and they're getting money back from some of the, um, from some, you know, from the, the Cliff Averills and the Michael Bennett, some of their older DNs. And they're they're reallocating. I think some will go into the offensive line, but some will certainly go into the defensive line. Um, you know, they're going to be players for wide receivers and tight ends to get more, uh, you know, to get more weapons around Russell. I think they have over 30 million in cap space now after the moves they've already made. And they're still very open to, to trading Earl Thomas as well. It's just got to be a football trade. No salary done. It's got to be for what they consider to be value. But look, they don't know that he's going to resign there anyway. So if they could get, you know, value for him, they'll, they'll move on from him as well. They, they done very well. What's value for Earl Thomas? What's that? What's value for Earl Thomas? I, I think they're looking. I mean, I think in their perfect scenario, they would get a late one for him at the draft or something like that. Um, but I think ultimately they take a two and something else. See, I think there's some teams out there. Like to me, the, uh, the Panthers won't do it, but the Panthers would make a lot of sense as a team for Earl Thomas. Um, the Steelers could potentially do it, but you know, they, they're not going to trade a second round pick or a first round pick. Right. The Steelers would love to. The Steelers would love to do it, but they know it's probably just a rental. You know, they're they're not going to be able to. They'll probably keep him once he hits the open market. Yeah. Um, I guess you could try to franchise him for a year, though. I mean, I can tell you this: the Steelers have some interest. They just don't know if they can make the money worth. Right. And I mean, Earl Thomas is, we're not talking about a guy who's 24 either. I mean, he, you know, he's going to be 29 in May and he's got an injury. Yeah. Like, I think he's, I mean, I think he's a, I don't want to throw a Hall of Famer twice in a podcast, but I mean, like he's, he's on that track and he's played really well throughout his entire career. He's been underappreciated and, um, but he is, you know, he's going to be 29. He has a bad injury history. So if you can't, you can't give up a first round pick for him if you don't have him guaranteed for the next three to four years in terms of a salary. Right. Um, defensive tackle right. guys out there. Starlet Delaney, we mentioned Sheldon Richardson. Uh, did we anybody else we didn't cover on that side? Did uh Delaney? Is he no? He? Don, and Don, Don Terry Poe, who Don Terry Poe you know, doesn't get you the sack numbers, but he, he'll he'll do all right as a run stuffer on this market. He'll really find nice more than a one year deal. Gambling on himself in Atlanta last year—that was a smart move. Yes, yes. Uh, is the reverse Terrell Pryor? Like Pryor bet on himself and it backfired. Yeah, less. Yep, I would totally agree. Uh, linebackers. Who, I think there's some actually like some younger linebackers on this group. And it's, you know, it's off ball linebackers. So it's not necessarily, you know, you're not talking about pass rushers here. Um, but like Nigel Bradham's only 28. Um, yeah. you know, you have, you have a, a you know, there's, there's a, there's a group out there that could be interesting, at least in terms of, you know, Preston Brown is only 25 and he almost led the league in tackles last year. Zach Brown is a sort yeah. of a modern linebacker with 127 tackles last year. Tahir Whitehead, uh, you know, Demario Davis, 29, but he played, had a really nice year for the Jets last year. There's some yeah. interesting names out there. There are. The guy I think will do the best is, is, and again, he's not, none, none of these guys you mentioned really affect the pass game all that much. There's not a whole lot of, 
Avery not a whole lot of pass rush in this group. Yeah, Avery Williams is going to get a lot of money. Um, he's a prime target for the Jets. And, again, even if they get Kirk Cousins, the Jets still are going to be able to get two or three other guys that they really prize just because they've got the cash and cap flexibility. So, you know, the Titans want to keep him. There's another team or two in the mix, but I, I could see the Jets landing him. And looking at him, as as well as Damari Davis played for them, and as great of a trade as that was, um, one of Sashi Brown's many parting gifts to other NFL teams before he finally got run out. Uh, they're looking at Williamson as a, as a younger guy with more upside. Yeah, and he's 26. 20, yeah, 26. Had a nice season in terms of three sacks, four quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, 92 tackles. Good year for him. The cornerback market dried up a little bit with Richard Sherman departing. Three years, thirty-nine million feels a little insane. David, An- is David, David, did David Amerson sign? Am I, am I something the matter with my brain that I forgot? Yeah, he did. He bounced around, took a bunch of visits, and uh, I want to say he signed in Kansas City, didn't he? He did sign in Kansas City. Guy, it's a he's and look, I liked. Um, yeah, you're right, Kansas City. He, um, sorry for that, my brain broke. He, he's insane because he, he was like he was a first round pick coming out of NC State his junior year, but he couldn't or his, his sophomore year, but he couldn't leave. And then he's bust out his junior year, falls in the draft, um, you know, signs with the Redskins, eventually get, looks good at points, but gets released. It's a head case. It's a very, very weird, very weird career track now that he's like bouncing around yes. at the age of 26 after already getting paid, uh, by a second team in free agent. Who, uh, who strikes your fancy out there in the cornerback market? The guy I'm most intrigued by is Kyle Fuller, who got the transition tag placed on him, but there are a lot of teams with interest in him. A lot of teams with interest in him. And I, I think he could get multiple offer sheets. Um, and you don't have to give up and, any tra- and, on the transition tag either. No. I'm not explaining it to you. And for, and for $2.5 million more, the Bears could have just franchised him and had this be a non-issue. Um, so we'll see. They, they, may have, they may have gotten a little too cute for their own good with this one. See, that, that's uh, what but, I kind of thought. You know, I was talking with Joel, I was talking with Joel Corey about this. I, I was trying to. I was wondering why the Bears wouldn't have just gone to 14 million. They have tons of cap space. They yeah. like the player. Yeah. Joel's point was you let so you let the other team set the market. Well, that's great. But what if the market's? I mean, what if the market's right? Yeah. What if they set it in a way that you you don't you can't match it or you get compromised? I mean, I I for for a guy this young, I don't know why you don't just bite the bullet on another couple million. Um, let, me, let me ask you this on the Bears. Are are we sure that Ryan Pace knows what he's doing? Because he didn't pick up the fifth year option. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, told as me. I don't know why he got a contract extension. I mean, I can't figure out a lot of things that go on in Chicago. It doesn't start with him. You got to take it all the way up to Ted Phillips and, and ownership. And Hallis Hall's been backwards for a long while. Um, but I don't know why you wouldn't re-empower him and give him an extension. And I mean, there's this whole narrative out here like that the quarterback is great. I'm like, okay, all right. If you guys say so, and and now he's the face of the franchise, and we're building everything around him, and it's his team. Well, you can hand a team to a kid, but it don't mean he's ready to take it. So we'll see. You know, there's there's you know Tampa, Tennessee. Um, I would have said San Francisco up until they did the Sherman thing, but with them, uh, you, you know, I would think they're done at corner. Um, you know, the Jets. There's there's teams that are looking at corners that really feel like Kyle Fuller has the most upside of any of these guys. And when he plays, he's great. Now he's obviously had his, his share of injury concerns, um, but I'm interested to see if he gets, if he gets an offer sheet. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tremaine Johnson end up with the Houston Texans. Um, you know, they lost AJ Bowie. That defense really dropped off last year. I don't think they're going to do a, a ton in free agency, but, but he's a guy that it sounds like they've targeted. Um, you know, they're, they're, this isn't this isn't a terrible group. You know, I would think Tampa's trying. You know, I know they want to keep Brent Grimes. We'll see if they're able to do that. They probably still need to add a corner even above and beyond him. Um, Rashad Breland's a kid who's played very well at times. He's, and he's younger too. Washington still, has a need at corner. Dante Johnson's out there. Aaron Colvin. I know that the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's guys. Yeah, I think I, I've been hearing for quite a while that Colvin, you know, that, that he was a priority for the Jags and they were going to find a way to get that done. And that had 
a lot to do with why they didn't go and give Allen Robinson $15 million. Hmm, interesting. Prince of Mukamara keeps kind of playing well in these one-year deals. Mm-hmm. Kind, I mean, kind of playing well. Yeah, he, he, he gives you snaps. Darrell Revis, Darrell Revis is a, a big-name corpse you can drag out on the field. Um, no offense. Yeah. He's, he's toast. I'm just kidding about Revis. Yeah, no, this is not a bad deal. I mean, like, these in they're guys who have who, – Look, the quarterback position is hard in 20. It's always been hard, but it's really hard in 2018 because you're out there, you know, against, you know, it's, it's a passing offense. I mean, you, you know, you have to, it's, it's a different yeah. spot to be in, but there's a lot of younger guys that you could take a flyer on. I mean, Jeremy Lane, you know, released by the Seahawks at least is, you know, has had reps in that, in that, in that offense and has had his moments. Um, DJ Hayden, or former first round pick, talked about that with the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's some there's some guys out there you could see. How's Benet Ben Wickery, 26 years old? I thought he was like 42. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. Um, safety position. A lot of some old, uh, old dudes out there. Trey Boston's already locked in, uh, I believe. Right. Eric Reed is yeah. Eric. Eric Reed. This is. Am I right? Is he? Is he? You actually, know, this will be an interesting case study. In, in in how does the league post Colin Kaepernick grievance handle some of these players who he was the second um, to take a knee have have been at the forefront of this? Yeah, he was the he was, that? he was the second guy to take a knee, right? Yeah, yeah, and has been very vocal since then. And I just wonder if he it ends up being tough sledding for him. Mm. That's a shame. Uh, if, he, if it is, there's there's plenty of lawyers who are taking note. But I I just wonder. You can't tell me that these owners are totally separating um, football from everything else. Like they're they're not. You know what I mean? They're they're. You can't tell me that that all these decisions are just made as football decisions. So. Um, well, no, I'm with you. I mean, like, I, I I I tend to think he sits for a little while, but we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. I sincerely hope I'm wrong. Because I mean, you're talking about a guy that, I mean, has had, you know, he had a Pro Bowl year as rookie season and hasn't been as great since then. But I mean, I mean, he's puts up statistics every. I mean, he's, he's ten career interceptions, thirty six career passes defense, and, you know, can blitz every now and then. I mean, he's had. I mean, he's had a steady career in a in a league where there are plenty yeah. of teams that need safety help, and he's only he's only twenty six. That. Yeah, I would say that there's a uh, an interesting case if he hadn't signed immediately that that you could uh, that you could look into if you were a, a class action type. Yeah, you were. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, right, who's the guy in free agency that's going to get more money than it could be any position? Because whatever, who's who is going to surprise people in terms of the amount of cash that they get from a team that we didn't see coming? Uh Questions, I right? mean, I, I just I have a feeling Jared McKinnon is going to do really, really well. Yeah. You know, you're talking about a guy who's never really even been the main guy on his team. You know, yeah, he's always kind of got in where he fits in, and it, if when he does play a lot, it's because somebody else got hurt or somebody got traded, or somebody got suspended for whipping their kid with a with a you know a stump of a what was it a with tree branches or whatever. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think he's going to do better than most people think. But I mean, look, the guys who are going to get the monster money is it's obviously Cousins, it's it's Norwell, it's a couple of these receivers. This um, is a great free agency class. It's bad. It's, it's not good at all. I mean, it's just not. If you're trying to build your team with four or five of this, these guys, good luck. You know, like if you're trying to do what the Giants did last year, I mean, two years ago, you know, rebuild their defense on the fly with like five free agents, Godspeed. Do you think that this is a byproduct of this, like a combination of the salary cap rising and sort of mid-level veterans being cut out? And it's, ba- I mean, basically, like you see all these trades, whereas five years ago, a guy like Jarvis Landry, a guy like Robert Quinn, um, a guy like Tyrod Taylor, because these teams wouldn't have the cap space to work for them. You know, like these these guys would have hit free agency, and we would have had these deeper classes. Are, are we looking at a situation where traditional free agency goes away for the for the immediate future, and, and maybe longer, depending on the next CBA? Well, I think people have to be more creative because the only guys are hitting the market now, when you have enough money to keep most of your own guys. Because the, the last four or five years, the way the 
or three or four years the way the cap started moving again. Um, there's not a lot, and still having the franchise tag, there's no excuse to, to lose your best guys. And I think teams are smarter about approaching players earlier by and large, and they've changed some of their contract thinking and contract structure. And they haven't let these huge bonuses hang over their heads with all these prorations that, that you know, end up making them cut guys before they want to. Um, and I think it's, 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 it's all those factors. It's the fact that the rookies are so cheap now. Um, you know, there's so much, there's such a fixed cost with these kids the first four years that it, it allows you to keep the guys you really want to keep. And then teams are also being more creative with trades. And, and I, I, again, I sincerely hope they get more creative with the restricted free agent market as well. Because I think, again, if you're, if you're just trying to solve most of your problems the first week of the league year through free agency, um, you're, you're, you're up against it. Good luck. It's, there's just not, there's just not enough talent to go along. For the last three years, I feel like I've been saying, you know, wow, this is this is one of the weakest groups I've ever seen. And then a year later, it's like, well, this group isn't even as good as that one. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it is. I think it is the combination of the, the elimination of the middle class by virtue of the, of the salary. It's weird because, in, look, the NFLPA is, is fighting an uphill battle, but the idea that this wage scale, which they needed to implement, but ultimately cut out the middle class of players. And the fact that with all this cap space, if you want to keep, like, it was, it would have been unheard of to sign Alec Ogletree to a $42 million extension and then trade him a year late, five years ago. Like, that just yeah. went, and, and now it is. It's an interesting, uh, free agency out there. It'll be crazy for about 48 hours. You were listening to the free agency, uh, preview podcast, Pick Six Pod. Jason Lockenford, Will Brinson, we're going to bounce out of here. We'll be back all next week. Hope you check this out on Sunday or Monday. We'll come back Monday uh, throughout the week, recapping all the news when Kirk Brinson signs, when uh, Case Keenum signs. Oh, and uh, Dominic rogers Camardi got cut today, too. Anything, any interest in that in free agency? No? Yeah. What's that? Dominic rogers Camardi cut today? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, so much for him switching to safety. Um, Could I should tell you about as much as Yeah. I mean, I think he'll do. I actually, I, I think he'll do okay out there. Um, I, I think he'll do all right, and especially if teams buy that that he can be a safety and, and can be pretty position flexible. Um, but yeah, the Giants to me are an interesting team, man. We'll we'll see. Uh, I'll be, you know, we talk at the end of the week, and they, you know, buy everybody they want to buy. They really will have put themselves in a mode where if they don't win this year. <laughs> Year two of this regime is going to be under the gun. That could be uh, that could make things interesting. All right, Jason, always a pleasure, buddy. Thanks for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you this week. Enjoy free agency. Sounds good, buddy.